get the gun. Here beginneth podcast 162 entitled Rain Dance. And I'm going to let um, Burton Cummings and the guess who of your set the stage for this because um, this song Rain Dance with its surprising hook, typical of almost all those songs that uh, the guess who uh, performed, most of them written by Burton Cummings and Randy Bachman, Life is a rain dance, and it's a rain dance of astonishing ineffectiveness because um, a very crucial point has been left out, especially in the understanding that uh, terrified uh, and grasping egos, which then morph hugely into collective egos, which we see in the messages and attitudes all around us, these um, egos, starting with you and me, uh, really... Uh, willfully, defensively, and thoroughly misunderstand the nature of of, uh, of what I would call the real um, facts of life and the forces arrayed against us. And what um, uh, uh, engendered this uh, short pad cost, uh, pad cost, sound like an Englishman who always talks about, um, what is it, when they always, uh, pasta? Um I want to really say that the thinking in this is uh, engendered by uh, a simple chance fact that I turned on the uh, TV the other day while having some soup and uh, simply noticed that every single cable news channel, and let me see if I get that right, that's CNN and MSNBC and Fox News, and there's one other that we get here, and this does not include um, the BBC or the uh, WGN, but every sort of cable news outlet, and we have a whole host of them in the lower end of the dial there, every single one was uh, talking over uh, issues related to Obamacare. 
And it's not the Obamacare issue, which I'm at all, you know, personally interested in, although I know it's very important and dot, dot, dot. But what struck me was not the issue itself, but the fact that every single um, news uh, organization was focusing on Obamacare and the form in which the focus was happening, right, left, and center, as it were, ideologically, um, was very similar to the form that the debate had been taking a year ago and six months ago and two years ago and three years ago and four years ago and five years ago. In other words, nothing has changed. There was it was a kind of circular argument going on. There was a repetitive character, the kind of thing that you know, if you left twenty years ago and you came back and they were still talking about Iraq, you know, and troop deployments and this, that, or the other country, um, the the circular character of of the uh, drama was overwhelmingly uh, presented in this simple fact that not only were all the um, media outlets talking about this, but they were all talking about it in terms that were reflected uh, an Im- impassable, uh, an Im- a, a cliffed stick, to quote uh, old English uh, high table conversation, a cliffed stick from which there was no egress possible, no exit, because it's always the same, it's always the same. And then I thought to myself, and follow me here, I hope you can, why is this? This is interesting. Why is the debate on Obamacare circular? Why is it getting nowhere? Whatever you think about it, pro or con, why is it getting there? Well, I'll tell you why it's getting nowhere, because there are two, there's uh, an immovable object and uh, an, uh, an, uh, an unstoppable force. And the immovable, the unstoppable force is the need of human beings to have medical treatment. Every single person, that is, we'd like to, we'd, we'd, we'd you know, put death on the side, we we marginalize all the really great, terrible troubles of our lives, or we glorify them in the huge, you know, pink ribbon 5K relays every five minutes in every community in this country, and that's very touching, and people are rah-rah for, let's climb Count Kilimanjaro and defeat uh, this or that form of cancer, and we either, you know, sort of do it that way uh, in a massive cheerleading effort, or we... We um, simply put it aside, which is actually what happens in 95% of cases. So, but everybody needs, we all have bodies. Everybody listening to this is going to die. Everyone listening to this has the seeds of his or her own material degeneration, his cosmacular degeneration in your body at this present moment. It's like a, a nuclear seed that is, uh, it's like a, what do they call it, a cell, a, a hidden cell, you know, like the Martians in the Steven Spielberg, Tom Cruise. War of the Worlds, uh, it's a it's a hidden dormant cell. Well, it's all there. So this thing is this is the immovable, the, the, the unstoppable um, force is that everybody needs and is going to need medical care with 100 percent, and it's going to grow the older you get. But the immovable object is the fact that nobody wants to pay for it. Everybody, why do people come to this country? Why does everybody want to come in the whole world? And everyone would if they possibly could. And of course, now they basically can. So everybody comes because they want a higher standard of living. They want what used to be called many years ago. They want to be part of the revolution of rising expectations. That's a phrase from 30, 30, 40 years ago. But that's the, everybody has the expectations through what they see presented before them on TV and so forth and so on, something that they desperately want. And so everybody wants it. So you, if you want it, let's just say you're a person that wants to have this certain standard of living, but you also have the, the uh, hurricane of medical care. Those are two, um, the, the, what I'm trying to say is I'm not commenting left, right, or center. I don't even know what I think about, quote, Obamacare, but I do know that um, I know about medical care, and I also know about the need and the desire that everybody has to go to Barnes & Noble and take part in the criteria 
doing a collection sale. I mean, you've got, you know, or get a new television or buy a car of such and such a description or <clears throat> shop for such and such a thing or live in such and such a house. Or Now, these two aims, the aim to provide medical care, which is mandatory by reality of human physiology on the one hand, and the uh, aim to live highly, uh, these are uh, in, um, possibly contradictory. So you cannot pay... You you, 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 you you have to pay for the medical care, but if you don't want to do it because you're stuck with the desire to live in such a way without a 15% uh, cut in your pay to pay for somebody else's care as you see it, um, you're, you, you, you're stuck. So you'll inevitably have to find ways around it. You'll have to burrow under it. You know, the whole, low can you go? You're going to have to go over, under, sideways, down. And that means that... There is no way. And so because the, um, the, the unstoppable force, our bodies, our health, and the immovable object, what we want, until we change what we want or until we get a lower we, – we, we, we decide we want a lower standard of medical care. And there are many countries that have uh, – uh, that provide medical care for everybody, but the standard is just lower. Some – you know, is they'll always talk about the Scandinavian countries, but there are many countries that provide care for everybody, but the standard is not what you and I might expect at, you know, um, Orlando Health. Uh, and so these, that's why that will never stop. Uh, now, what is this really saying? This says that you cannot avoid reality, so you have to have medical care. But um, if you... Um, if 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 you're going to deal with reality, there there's an you, you have to um, um, amend how you see your own personal life. You have to me- amend it in some way. You have to edit the page. You have to make a change, and no one wants to do it. And the result is that everything becomes a kind of marginal a marginalia, and that accounts for it. And so, really, what I was thinking about was, and this is what this podcast is actually about. It's about rain dance, which is just a word from a wonderful and not all that successful song when it first came out by the Guess Who, which, um, you know, we're all, this is all a rain dance. This whole, this whole human schlemiel is a rain dance. And uh, uh, it's, you, you, you've got to first really deal with what actually is. Now, I can say this in uh, Christian theological terms just as well as I can in some kind of secular sounding terms, uh, you know, deal with reality, uh, deal with what is, is really doing business with God because no one can possibly um, move forward uh, dealing with reality without having a proper sense of who you are. Burton Cummings, who was the sort of guru with Randy Bachman in the early phase, the actually two-thirds phase of their work, uh, the Guess Who from Canada, Burton Cummings' um, 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 he, he, the, the, these, these songs are so powerful because they, they actually are often about reality. He, 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 that's really what I'm talking about, is the, uh, is the, um, the character of dealing with reality because it actually is to deal with God. And when you deal with reality really, for example, health issues, then you can begin to um, accommodate yourself in a non-resisting and compliant manner with, um, with what it's all about. By the way, come to Birmingham on the, the uh, 25th uh, and 26th of, of um, March, if you can. I'm going to give a sermon on the text uh, on a passage that uh, comes out of Sloan Wilson's really very moving and surprisingly and unexpectedly powerful section describing a crisis during World War II involving his service, his uh, crisis in battle 
that is sort of says almost everything that needs to be said about life in this world. And I'll talk about it uh, on the 25th, and then I'll talk a little further about um, eternal life, uh, what I believe that really means, partially quoting from Booth Tarkington, needless to say, from the New Testament as well on the 26th. So come to Birmingham if you're free for the uh, noon services on uh, on uh, uh, the 25th and 26th of March. Now, the thing about reality, it, it comes at you. Let me give you another example. Um, I don't have this recorded, and you'll have to find it yourself on YouTube or iTunes, but it's easy to find. Um, and I prefer the later versions of it rather than the uh, newer versions uh, because he altered the lyrics slightly in the 80s, uh, his song, I'm Scared, which was actually a big hit in Canada. Uh, it's a very good song, and it's a religious song, but what it basically is about, he tells the story. He's in a terrible way. He was in New York City, and he was in an awful, awful internal struggle. He was terribly troubled in the 70s, whatever it was. He was in a very, very bad psychic place, and he um, found his way by sheer gratuitous chance, providential chance in my opinion, and it is, into beautiful St. Thomas Church on 5th Avenue and 53rd Street, which he keeps calling St. Thomas Cathedral or the Cathedral of St. Thomas, which is very dear of him. But it's definitely that, because there's a video in which he takes you into St. Thomas Episcopal Church, referred to in his memories as the Cathedral of St. Thomas, and he had an experience of God because he admits in the song that he's terrified. Whatever is happening in his life, he is he is terrified to the point of such panic and such terror that he cannot absolutely one more second go on. He finds himself in St. Thomas Episcopal Church on Fifth Avenue, and he is met by God. And he keeps saying, "I don't didn't know much about religion, didn't care about religion, I don't know it, religion wasn't on my screen." And yet he found himself on his knees, and he found himself on his knees profoundly. And there was a presence, and there was a comforting, reassuring. Uh, a personally loving hand or word or just being or presence, let's call it, that's his word, that turned it around completely. Now, what that says is that you cannot deny this reality. In this case, it was fear. It was emotion. It was a powerful ego state of terrible, terrible suffering and trouble that was um, processed in the word fear being scared, and he completely melts down in the reality of a feeling that is, shall we call it like the healthcare need that we all have, a an, an, an unstoppable uh, force. Uh, he himself, you might say, is the immovable object, but the unstoppable force propels him. This is the reality of his terror, and uh, and then uh, he meets the presence of God, which is the immovable object. And in this case, because it's God, God is so much larger and so much wider and so much deeper, so much higher than everything that he uh, could possibly imagine, he is saved. That is to say, he is angered, which is to say he has an instantaneous uh, peace and a surge of hope that allows him to continue with his life. And, and this seems to be his current favorite song because whenever he's performing, even now in his 60s, he seems to perform this particular song with uh, a, a consistent regularity. It's sort of like going to a Grateful Dead. Uh, you know, you always want to see, what is it, uh, uh, St. James Infirmary, you always wanted to see St. James into fire, isn't it? St. James into fire on the mountain, you always wanted to hear the Grateful Dead do their wonderful uh, two-part contravention of uh, St. James Infirmary and fire on the mountain, and you always want to hear I'm Scared by Burton Cummings, and he always performs it, however. He always performs it. 
You don't need to rely on a million bootlegs. He always performs it because it's reality. And the thing about uh, life, and it's really, really big time true in our um, very uh, troubled um, nation, in my view, or in our world, but I certainly feel it myself as an American, is that we have an enormously big problem with uh, the fallenness or the reality of human need. We just can't stand being completely needy. We are, however, and we it, it bubbles up. You can't help it. I was um, talking to somebody about an event, somebody that I know very well, and I was talking about her uh, with her about this thing that had happened. Something had happened um, that he was uh, that she, I should say, that she was aware. It involved a he, but she was aware of it, and I was keenly aware of it. Of like oh, 45, 44, 44, 45 years ago, and. Uh, it, it struck uh, this other person, and she said, "Well, that uh, golly, I haven't thought about that for so long." And then she said, um, "She said, uh, but of course that was so very long ago." And uh, I thought to myself, I, "I guess it was very long ago." But then I thought to myself, "But you know that really won't cut it because <clears throat> what happened was so uh, bruising and upsetting and affecting and troubling and disturbing, and you were so impressionable." Uh, this person was not directly involved, but was my friend at the time, who was sort of uh, aware of certain aspects of my own life and crisis. And uh, uh, hey, I have to be honest; it's not a she; it's a he. I'm talking about a he, who watched this thing, and he was in fact ended up being part of it. And he said, "But it's um, it's so long ago." And I said, "That really is a boundary that you cannot. It's arbitrarily fixed by those words, because in fact, it'll come back at you. This young, impressionable college students, or high school students, children, twelve-year-olds, are very impressionable." These, these events of whatever befalls them, especially those things which involve suffering and loss and, and real badness, those, uh, those things, uh, you cannot uh, anesthetize yourself uh, with a narcotic to say it's, uh, well, that happened long ago. It, it actually, um, as far as part of you is concerned, it's still happening. This is why, you know, people used to always say, oh, don't worry about little Jennifer who's, you know, eight. Children are very, uh, they bounce right back. I'll say, don't worry about children. They, 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 they're amazingly flexible. They, they're, children are, are amazingly resilient. That's the word I hear all the time. They'll bounce right back. And you know, the opposite is true. The opposite is true. Children do not bounce back. They are not amazingly resilient. They are the least resilient people in the world. They appear to be resilient, and we would like to think that they're resilient because we have responsibilities towards them. But they, I mean, look at Dylan Farrow. I mean, who could in a million years say that children are resilient? Uh, are you resilient? Uh, I, I'm, when you think back upon whatever uh, things that you think of that were uh, drove you um, to distraction or that you remember with discomfort, distaste, and even horror, let alone sorrow and acute um, uh, mournfulness, and uh, uh, when you were seven, eight, nine, or four, five, six, or 14, 15, and 16, and uh, uh, those things live. They, uh, they are like uh, clouds that uh, you know, follow you all the time, like that Alfred E. Newman Mad Magazine cover of Alfred E. Newman holding up an umbrella, and it's a sunny day, and it's only raining inside the umbrella, which is to say that the key um, learning about life, uh, which Carlyle pointed out in, what, 1844, uh, as well as anyone ever did in the 19th century, and only artists generally see it because it's not really vouchsafed to most uh, religious people because we are so busy defending various unrealities, that is to say in ourselves. Not, I'm not talking about God. God is, a, is the reality, the contraption. But um, the, uh, the thing was pointed out when uh, 
uh, Carlyle in Sorter Resartus uh, uh, clearly stated that the whole thing is subjective. You are the hope, not the things that happen to you or before you negatively. Um, the whole of life is essentially a subjective internalization of certain stimuli which cause massive um, uh, memory patterns and emotional reactions and counter-reactions and ab-reactions and feelings to be created and uh, what is the word formations inside you and those are actually the things that you remember that's the reality the inward reality is the equivalent to the healthcare and the Obama debate of human beings because it is unst an unstoppable force and in the case of the Obamacare it's meeting an immovable object and that's why it'll never change but you don't have to be like that you don't have to go round and round and round over and over again waiting for my steady day oh it went over and over and over again remember the Dave Clark Five or whoever they they covered that song uh, do you really want to um, be in a, this constant repetitive uh, nutty pattern of always having the same reactions to everything based upon something that is in fact fairly clear that often is from your early experience because remember it's no foolish statement to know that the father is the child of the man and so I guess I'm I'm saying that um, you might really be um, more uh, accepting and open the windows and the doors to the inward, um, I should really say open the basement doors, open the, open the doors that go down to the dungeons, open the, open the doors to the cellar and let these things come out <clears throat> because they're there and they will in fact have an enormous gravitational pull backwards and downwards in terms of your future of uh, love and what I think we can honestly call hope. So thank you very much for listening. And I hope that will sort of um, help, you know, a listener to distinguish between those things that are circular, which will never change. And you've really got to look at those because there are some circular memories you have. There are some circular feelings. There are some circular patterns. A wonderful, wonderful friend in the ministry was once, you know, after so many years in the ministry, he, he, he really, he, he didn't really realize that, that so much of what he was dealing with in personnel situations in his ministry in the parish had really very clearly to do with a very, very withholding day that he had had and uh, I guess uh, I might have said that I knew it but uh, it simply was not information that he had any conscious idea about and then one day in discussing it, it it suddenly the penny dropped he just realized in talking about a particular personnel situation that he was really back at age five or six or seven or eight and uh, this was a father that simply could not ever say servant well done you know absolutely no well done good and faithful son of mine absolutely nicht nein gar nicht no so um i now present to you a, another musical invention on the reality of the nature of reality which uh, uh wonderful burton cummings and his team in hand-me-down world. I don't believe Randy Bachman was still with the group when they recorded this, but uh, notice the line uh, which is uh, uh, about the hand-me-down world. Uh, we've got one already, and right there is the note of reality that the world needs now. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.